really, doesn't it? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And uh, in verse number 17, He says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And I think sometimes, as we mentioned this Sunday, I think sometimes the world gets this idea that, that God is some mean being up there that's, that's frowning on them and raining on their parade. But the truth is, man was born a sinner and they were already condemned. The Bible tells us, verse number 18, He that believeth on Him, speaking of the Lord, is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. You don't have to do anything to be on your way to hell. You, you, you're already born a sinful nature. And so, somehow I think the world has this mindset that God came to condemn them of the sin. The truth is, they condemned themselves. That was done by choice. That was done by man's free will. God came to provide a way of escape. God came to bring salvation from that condemnation. God came because He loved us so much He didn't want that to happen to us. And He said, I want, I want to make sure that man has a way to escape the judgment of the sin that they chose. God didn't choose our sin for us. We did and because of that, we were condemned already. The Bible says, because he had not believed on the name of the only God, Son of God. And so we take these verses, these three verses, and we know this. I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here a little bit tonight. That uh, this is the message that we take. In the last probably two or three months, we've been spending some time on Wednesday nights praying for God to stir our hearts, to bring revival about in our hearts. The purpose of that is so that the power of the Holy Spirit can uh, be unquenched in us. That it can be... Uh, the Bible uses the word that it can have free course. So that when we are out doing the work of sharing this message to the world, that the Holy Spirit inside of us, and oftentimes goes before us and prepares the heart, works on the heart of that individual. There's not one thing that I know of that I can do to change a person's heart. I can give a message, but all I can do is make sure that their ears hear it. The only thing that can change their heart is the Holy Spirit taking what I've said and causing their heart to have understanding of it and conviction about it. And so it's very important if we're to labor for the Lord and to take this wonderful truth, the greatest news man ever heard, and we're to take it to a world that has never heard it, we need to have God's power in our life. We, we mentioned the other night uh, the question I struggled with a number of years ago about being uh, using God's Word, uh, being... being um, you're doing God, taking God's word and preaching it God's way and taking the right message, but not having His power. And if we are not out of God's will by not having His power, the truth of the matter is I believe that the Bible teaches very clearly that we are out of God's will if we are quenching the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. If there are things that are causing us to do this. And so we've been praying, and we've talked about some of this. We've said uh, brokenness is, is a key to it. Uh, coming to a place where we say, Lord, I, I can't do the work. Not to rely on the flesh, but to rely on the arm. We spent some time in Jeremiah chapter 17 a couple weeks ago dealing with the fact that there are some people who rely on the arm of the strength of the flesh. Brother Paul, he had several really good things regarding revival and how that it's not about us creating something, but it's about God stirring the hearts of men. The preacher that was asked, about revival, that we he believed that revival would still be possible, and his comment was, "When Jesus is enough, 
you know, have your revival. And when he said that, I thought on that for a long time, and that's, that's one of those things that's rung in my ears for a number of weeks now. And I, I got to thinking about this this week and, and really have been dealing with some things in my own heart, my own life. If you look with me in verse number 30, John chapter 3, let's look at verse number 30. John said this, He must increase, but I must decrease. And the word of warning, word of caution I want to share with us tonight is this, that sometimes in the process of, of submitting and yielding our hearts, and humbling ourselves and, and seeing the Holy Spirit of God being able to be unfettered and, 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 un, and, and un, unhindered. He's not grieved. He's not quenched in our lives. And we begin to see God doing something in our lives. The caution is this. Oftentimes, we like to get the credit for that and we like to get the glory for that. Well, look at me. I have humbled myself to a degree that the Holy Spirit is now able to work in my life. And we want everyone to see it. And we lose it. I mean, that quick. Because it's not about exalting us. It's about exalting Him. And my word of caution is this. In exalting Him, we need to be very, very careful that we do not exalt us. Do you understand what I mean by this? The, the revivals of yesteryear were marked with men would preach with power and the views of the church would begin to have tears flowing in them because men would see their need they would understand their guilt before God they would understand their their lack their shortness of meeting God's demand or God's standard and sometimes I fear that if we're not careful, we will... I, I, I believe Christ is to be preeminent. And I, I, think, I hope and pray that our church always focuses on God being the main thing. On having the preeminence. We've got to be so careful that in that process, we don't get proud about it. We've got to be so careful that we don't take the preeminence back in the process of trying to make it for him. Look with me, if you will, in 3 John, chapter number 1. 3 John, chapter number 1. And John was very well aware of this. He had seen firsthand something along this line happening. In 3 John, chapter number 1, but where am I at? There's only one chapter, by the way. If you go to chapter 2, you've got the wrong Bible. At uh, verse number 9, John writes this, I wrote unto the church, but notice this, he says, But Diatrophes, who loveth to have the what? Preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Here's a leader of the church. And in the process of leading the church, and trying to preach Christ, John said he's one that loveth to have the preeminence. He wants people's eyes focused on him. If we're not careful, we'll become like a Pharisee or the publican who stood at the altar 
and said aloud, Lord, I thank you that I am not like this sinner here. And when we become so proud of our humility and our yieldedness to the Holy Spirit, that we become very haughty about it. And the danger to it is this. We begin looking around at the other people. Where they just they just don't get it, do they? They're not as good as I am at this. We don't say it in those words, but in our actions, oftentimes we begin to look down on folks, don't we? We're not being as spiritual as we. And it's not that our motive hasn't been pure, it has. Our motive has been to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. He's to have the preeminence. He's to be lifted up. But not at the expense of lifting myself up. I'm not to lift him up in such a way that men look at me and say, Boy, there's Brother Greg. He sure lifts up the Lord Jesus Christ. If they say, Brother Greg, anything, I fail. When people leave this church, it makes me feel good. It does. When somebody says, Preach, I have a great message, or I had a good message that day. If that's all we ever got out of it, then I failed. When people leave our church, I want to say, Lord, we have a great, Brother Greg, we got a great God. We have a great God. Boy, the truth that God gave us through His Word today, wasn't that amazing? If people look at me and say, Pastor, you, you had a great message, then I had the preeminence in that service. If we get people looking at us saying, Boy, there's a person that's exalting the Lord. And we completely took their eyes off of the Lord and put them on us. In the attempt to get them to put their eyes upon him. We don't even realize it all. Turn with me to Colossians chapter number one. Colossians chapter number one. And verse number 18. Can I tell you this tonight? I am thankful. And I think if we would go around the room, I think every single one of us would say, I'm so thankful that I'm not what I used to be. God reached down, didn't He? He took our feet and set them on a solid rock. And He began to do work in the inner man and clean us up a little bit, didn't He? He began to do some things in us. I'm glad I'm not what I used to be. But I hope I never get to the place where I stop growing and I say, Boy, look at me, I finally made it. I want us. I want us every day. I, I, in my life, I think that one of the biggest things is to say, or to come to a place in my life where I look at my own self and say, Lord, I, I am thankful. I'm not what I used to be, but I sure want to be something more. There's still a long, long way to go. If we're not careful, we'll become proud of our humility. I guess would be the best way to word it. Proud of our brokenness. We'll, we'll begin to do things in such a way, and it's not our motives, but it oftentimes can be our methods. In every attempt that we make to exalt Him and make Him preeminent, we begin to draw man's eyes to ourselves. I love the, the definition. I, I, I used to try to preach on pride and humility, and, and I struggled with explaining humility and defining humility. I heard a preacher say this one time. I wish... 
that my prideful self wishes I could claim this as my own. But it's not. It's from another preacher. He made this statement. He said, Humility is not thinking more of ourselves than we ought to. Neither is it thinking less of ourselves than we ought to. It's simply not thinking of ourselves. And I, I don't know that we have any of this going on, but where we're at with getting God's power in our hearts and our lives and God working on the inside, these were some things that struck me this week that I want to be careful of. I want our church to be careful of this. I'm excited to see what God's going to do in the future. I am. I think that we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of what God longs to do here and what what He can do here. But I don't want to be the one to quench that. I don't want to be the one that, even with great motives and with the right sincerity, would be the one that would quench it. Look with me, Colossians chapter number 1. Verse number... Uh, let's go back to verse number 12. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance. It means suitable, by the way. The word meet there is an old English word. It's made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Aren't you glad that it was by God that we became suitable to have the inheritance? We became meat for it. We, became, we, we, we used to not qualify for the inheritance of the saints. I'm thankful that through Jesus Christ we can now. Verse number 13, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. I tell you this, when we start thinking too highly of ourselves, we could not do that. Christ could. In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins, we're going to make it to heaven. It's not going to be by what we did. It's going to be through His blood, through what He did on Calvary. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of, cre- uh, of every creature. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for him, and I want you to notice verse 17 and 18, and he is before how many things? All things. And by him, how many things consist? All things. I've often said this when I've talked with somebody. I said, does God's word say it? And they said, yes, it does. And I said, well, then it has to be true. Because God cannot lie, and if he ever did lie, we'd be the first ones to know, because he would cease to be God, and we would cease to exist. Because we are only in existence because of Him holding everything still in His his place. He says in verse number 17, And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And He is the what? The what? He's the head of the body. God doesn't share His glory with anyone. When we begin to take the glory from God, when men begin looking at us instead of Him, we begin to rob God of the glory that is His. 
We take him from the head of the body and we make him some other member. Certainly not the head. And the saddest part of the whole thing is we take ourselves and we put ourselves in that place. The place where he was. Where he deserves to be. Where he's supposed to be. It says he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in how many things? How many? All things. In all things, he might have the preeminence. When I'm away from God and backslidden, he needs to have the preeminence. When I'm walking with God and growing and thriving as a Christian, he needs to have the preeminence. When I get to the place in my life where God has brought brokenness and a contrite spirit and has allowed the Holy Spirit to work freely in my life, He needs to have the preeminence. And just want to leave a word of caution to us tonight. That we not get puffed up as we see God begin to do some things in our life. That's the quickest way to see God begin to take His hand of blessing off of us. To begin quenching the Holy Spirit once again. We've got to be so careful with that. Exalt Him absolutely. He must increase. Lift Him up absolutely. Give Him the preeminence absolutely. And our motive and our sincerity ought to be right and pure. We need to be careful that outwardly we do not bring people's attention to us, but rather to Him. My friend Dave's been coming for a few weeks now. I'm so grateful. When he leaves this place, I don't want him to say, well, you're a great preacher. I'll be real frank with you. I like it when he says our church is friendly, but that's really not what I'm out to hear from him. I want to hear him say, boy, I want you to tell me more about that Jesus you were talking about. I want to hear more about Him. I want to know Him. And if I don't, if I don't do that as a, as a pastor, if we don't do that as a church, then we might as well shut the doors and go home because we have failed. He's to have the preeminence, the head of everything, not some, not most, but all things. Let's stand together, shall we? We'll pray. Father, we're so thankful for your word. We pray that you'll bless it. Lord, help us to learn some things from this. We long so much for you to do work, and we've we've begun just to see just just the the, the, the smallest little inklings of your hand at work. Lord, it certainly is just the beginning. Lord, may we at the onset not not go back to our old ways. May we not at the onset exalt ourselves. Pat ourselves on the back for the good job we've done to bring brokenness and humility into our lives, to to begin to rely upon you more, to allow your Holy Spirit to work in us. Lord, may we rest upon you. May we claim to you as a man who is in desperation, as we realize the fact that without you we can do nothing. We can't do one thing. We're not going to see anyone saved. We're not going to be able to share the gospel with power and might. We're not going to be able to be used of you as we long to be. We do not make you the preeminent one. So, Father, help us tonight. 
May we examine our own hearts. May we look at our own actions, our own lives, and make sure in the days ahead as we continue to pursue after your power and your mind for the removal of things in our lives and in this ministry that would hinder you from doing your work. Or may we learn to give you the preeminence in all things. Dismiss us with your blessings. We thank you so much for the opportunity to be here tonight. Lord, what a joy it has been to be around your people. It's been so refreshing tonight to be able to pray together, to take burdens that we've had all week long and be able to share them with each other and know that others are going to pray for them and to be able to lay them at your feet. Be able to cast all of our care upon you. Dismiss us now with your blessings, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.